If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 91 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on April 11th, 2021. Now, Yapping Yankees is being brought to you by, obviously myself, and Ball 9. Ball 9 brings you some of the best baseball content out there. Any and all baseball stories, articles, roundtable discussions, featured baseball podcasts like Yapping Yankees, and much more. Visit the website, I promise you, you'll be glad that you did. That's Ball9.com, and follow them on all social medias, at Ball9. And know what you don't know. And for them still helping to get the word out about the show on social media, also be sure to check out Grunt Talks MLB. Go to their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their great baseball content, and follow them on all social medias at grunttalksmlb. And also, don't forget, guys, that just like Grunt Talks MLB, you can help spread the word about Yapping Yankees and stay updated on everything with both me and the Yankees by following me on all social medias. Follow my Facebook fan page, at MikeScuderoNY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at MikeScuds97. And remember to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on. And those are YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. All right. New week, new Ball Nine Yapping Yankees logo officially in use. Good times, my friends. <laughs> I hope you're all doing well and had a nice Easter and a nice week like I did, despite the Yanks making us want to nosedive off our roof at times with their runners and scoring position ineptitude. But regardless, we've got a lot to discuss in news and recap today, guys. Mainly because, and don't forget, we also have an extra day to cover since the last time I spoke to you was when I recorded last Saturday, the day before Easter. So we're not going to waste any time today. Let me set the table for you. We got the poll segment up first in just a minute, having to do with today's game here on Sunday, and then I'm going to be combining news and recap again for today, just like I've done a few times the last few weeks, because between news and recap today, a lot has happened this past week, as you know. The trade that happened earlier in the week, that caught all of us by surprise and really confused most of us. You got the side soreness saga with Judge. Wilson returning, roster moves, the whole deal. And all of that, along with recapping the main talking points for the Yanks through the first full week of the season. As I said before, things like runners in scoring position troubles, Glaber's defense, and really just the entire infield now that I mention it, or lack thereof, all of it. So let's get the ball rolling right away, my friends. Right into the poll we go. And we obviously know that since the Yanks lost that infuriating extra inning game against the O's on Wednesday night, 
They have struggled badly through to this point. All throughout the first two games of the series against the Rays at the dump, and that's what I refer to the Trop as for those of you who don't know. And today is the final game of the three-game set against the Rays as the Yanks look to avoid the sweep before heading into another series with the Blue Jays starting tomorrow. So, quite simply, today's game is what today's poll is about. So starting on Twitter, as always, the poll question for this week is, do you think the Yankees salvage a game in this series and leave the Trop on a win tomorrow? Which is, of course, today because I put this poll up yesterday. But leave your thoughts, of course, in the comments, too, for a chance at having your answer read, as always. Now, I know you already know the answer to this, you listening to the show, because you're listening to this either tonight when the episode comes out, or later on in the week. So, you know the answer to this already. But again, not only am I recording before the game starts today, but I put this up yesterday, after the game ended yesterday on Saturday. So, this is a prediction for today's game ahead of time. And we're going to try to fly right through this poll segment like we did last week because I got a lot to say come all the news we have to talk about and the recap later on in the show after this. But my prediction more or less on today's game, uh, of course the two choices are yes or no as to whether you think the Yankees will salvage a game in this series or not. And my answer, very cautiously mind you, is yes. And I just think that the Yankees have to and will have a response offensively today after the way they looked in yesterday's game and just the way they've looked since that extra inning game against the Orioles on Wednesday. They need to bounce back today, and I do think that they have a response. But because of how they have looked lately, that's where the cautious part comes in because they have looked really bad the last few days. And the second that these bats decide they want to play dead again today, they're not going to do anything. They're just not going to do anything. And after the way they looked yesterday, again, they cannot afford to look that way again today and send an even worse message to the Rays than they already did yesterday in response to how the game on Friday already was. So they've got to have an answer, and I'm cautiously, optimistically saying that they do have an answer today. But it's also going to have to work out on the pitching end of things because the bullpen has been worked a bit these last couple of days because they haven't gotten a lot of starting length, both out of Kluber and Herman the last two days. And they're going to need Montgomery to be a stopper and give them some length today. They're going to need it. So hopefully he has his stuff. And if he has anything remotely similar to the way his start against the Orioles was, then he should be really good for today because his first start, as we'll get to later in recap, was amazing. So let's hope that Monty has his stuff today. He can play stopper with this little losing streak the Yankees have going on and he can give them some length. And the bats, they have to hit. They just have to hit. They gotta get traffic on the bases, which they've done in a lot of these games early on. They just haven't gotten them home to score. That's been their main problem. But today, they've gotta get the traffic, and they've gotta get them home. There's nothing else to it. They've got to hit. So that's gotta happen, and Monty has to have his stuff today. And I think there's a chance that we could get both of those things. Who knows? And hopefully they could salvage that win and get the hell out of this dump. So once more, my answer is cautiously yes. I think and hope that they salvage a game today against the Rays. And it seems like most of you agree with me because the choice of yes was victorious by earning 59% of the vote and the remaining 41%, still a good amount of you, 41% say no. And again, because of how the Yankees have looked lately in the last few days, I totally understand if you're not optimistic about today's game. 
but let's get through some replies right now. Let's start off with at Blue Russian 5555, and they say, I would say yes, Monty pitches tomorrow, and the Yanks' offense is due. Yeah, they are due, especially after yesterday on Saturday. My God, was that terrible, but yeah, Monty pitches too, and as I said before, I hope he has at least most of what we saw against Baltimore, because if he does then that's really good because he looked terrific in his first start of the year. But yeah, he's got to be the stopper and give them length, and the bats have to hit. They have to do their job. Next, we have Rob at Laker477, and Rob says, As much as I want to say yes, they will, I honestly don't see it happening. Right now, the Yankees are listless, unenergized, and emotionless. I pray they prove me wrong, but I fully expect them to be swept. Yeah, listen, I can't blame anybody for not feeling positive about today's game, and the last couple of days you are absolutely right. And I'm going to be mentioning this when I talk about yesterday's game later on in recap, but yeah, the team looks so emotionless right now, and it makes me mental. It drives me nuts when I see them looking like that. And you know that look. We've seen it for years now whenever the Yankees go through rough patches, and it drives me insane when they just have that flat, that blank stare on their face. You just want something to happen to fire them up because they look so defeated, and it honestly just looks so pathetic. So, yeah, you're absolutely right, especially with yesterday's game, or any time really when they just have nothing going. They just have that look. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Just completely emotionless. And they really need something to happen today to get that look off their face and fire them up. Something. But yeah, it's tough to blame you for feeling that way, Rob. Up next is at SportsD24733772. Lots of numbers. And they say, I don't know. Their bats suck. Only a few people seem to care. And one of them barely plays because Clint starts. Yeah, I guess you're talking about Guardy there. But yeah, I even said in a tweet yesterday that it would be great if anybody other than Gardner looks like they gave a single crap about the display of baseball that's being put out there right now. I said the same thing on Twitter yesterday. But yeah, their bats really have been dreadful. They just have not done anything. And oftentimes, even when they do get traffic on the bases, they just can't get them home. And it's really infuriating baseball to watch. But anybody who says, I don't know, or no, right now with the way they've been playing, it's hard to blame you. It really is. I'm saying yes, but even my yes is very cautious. A lot of cautious optimism there. But as far as Gardner, who I'm pretty sure that's the one you're referencing when you say one of them barely plays because Clint starts, I'm pretty sure I saw the lineup earlier, and I think that Gardner is playing today for the second day in a row. I mean, I know Clint is struggling, but I mean, he's the starting left fielder. It's kind of surprising a second day in a row, but... I guess the Yankees are riding the hot hand because Gardner has been doing great lately. So, I don't know. We'll see what comes of that. Up next is Rebecca, at Peace Now for Life. And Rebecca says, I think the Yankees will salvage a win tomorrow. They have to be embarrassed about these last two games, and I think that will fire them up. It sounds like Odor will play tomorrow, so maybe the lineup will be shaken up some too. Plus, I think Montgomery will have a great game. Go Yankees! All right, I like that, and I hope you're right, Rebecca. I know you're Mrs. Optimism over there, so it's really not a surprise to hear you say this, but I hope you're right, from your lips to God's ears. And yeah, the lineup just came out not long before I started recording, and I'll be mentioning this again later on when I'm at the end of recap, but yeah, Odor is in the lineup today. He's starting, so I don't know, maybe he'll do something, or maybe something involving his presence will fire the team up. I don't know. We'll see. 
But honestly, whatever it takes to just get a win and get the hell out of this series because I'm so tired of the Yankees playing at this damn stadium. All right, up next, we've got Muzix and DMD, and they say, I have confidence in Jordan Montgomery, and I think the lineup will string together some timely hits. They can only be so languid for so long. They just need that one timely hit to get the bats going. A reach on error, a walk, an infield hit, something could lead to a big inning. Yeah, 100%. Sometimes something as small as that or multiple things back-to-back-to-back like that could lead to an offense being revamped and a team just being revived. You're 100% right. We've seen that a lot of times. And hopefully if one of those things happen in today's game, you're absolutely right. Maybe that could be the spark plug. And yeah, I do hope that Jordan Montgomery too, I hope he provides that length and he has his stuff like he did in his first start because in that first start, he was terrific. If his stuff is like that again, then hopefully nobody will be able to touch him. Up next, we got Tina at MountainGal456 and Tina says, I would like to think yes, but their faces in the dugout yesterday, they looked pretty dejected and embarrassed after the game. Hopefully, today's game put a spark under them to start stepping up their game. And yeah, guys, listen, a lot of people are mentioning the way they looked, and I'm going to be mentioning it later on too in recap, because it's true. The way they looked yesterday, they just looked defeated. And it's really irritating, because not only is it early, and this offense knows what they're capable of, but especially against a team like the Rays, where the rivalry is hot right now, and the Rays are just embarrassing you, The last thing you want to see is your team looking utterly defeated in their dugout. It's a horrible look, and it's infuriating. And I totally agree with everybody who's mentioning that today, because they're correct. They're absolutely right. I can't stand that. It's like you're just looking at the screen and just saying, go out there and kick ass. (laughs) It's like, it's just so annoying. Oh my God. So I totally agree with all of you who are saying that. And I really hope to see a different look on their faces today. Let's just get a freaking win in this stadium already. When is enough enough? (laughs) All right, up next is at Theater 040287, and they say 8 to nothing loss. Damn. (laughs) Okay, then. Up next is at Crusaders BBNY with a gif of a dog with a broom, it looks like. (laughs) So I guess they're saying, yeah, a sweep. So, back-to-back replies with really just not having faith in the Yankees' chances today. And again, I can't really blame you for the way the Yankees have played in this park and the way they've looked the past couple of days. I can't really say anything. Let's keep flying through this and continue on here. Up next is Mike Nelson at MD Nelly, and Mike says, I would hope so, but I don't care. I want to see some passion. Right now, they just look like they're killing time until October. Yeah, another person mentioning their lack of passion. It's just they looked flat. And a lot of people are mentioning that, as they should. Show some signs of life, and show some signs that you give a crap about what's going on. And again, we all know it's early to mid-April. We know that. We're not saying the season is over by any stretch. We're not saying that. But at the same time, show that you give a damn. Just show a little bit of passion. You're absolutely right, Mike. I agree. All right, let's just run through a few more here. Up next is at Laura underscore Icemont, and Laura says, I think the Yankees will win, but if they play like they did today, meaning yesterday on Saturday, there's no chance. Yeah, definitely. If they play at all like they did yesterday, (laughs) between how the starting pitching was with Herman and the bats just having nothing at all. Yeah, there's going to be no chance they win today if they play anything like the way they did yesterday. 
because yesterday, everything except for the bullpen, which has been the case every single day except for Friday so far, was just fantastic. The bullpen has definitely been the best part about this team, and it's not even close. Next, we've got at NYYFanForever96, and they say, I don't think they can do it because their offense has been awful to start this season. What we need tomorrow is a strong start from Montgomery and some run support from the offense. Yeah, you're absolutely right, my man. You don't hit, you don't win. It's that simple. <laughs> if you don't score runs, you're not winning the game. And I do believe in Monty more than I believe in the bats, that's for sure. But we'll see what happens. But yeah, for sure, as you said, the offense has just been awful. With the exception of the first two games against Baltimore, they've been really tough to watch early on in the season here. All right, let's do maybe three more. We'll do three more replies here on Twitter. Up next is at Thriving Team Michael, and Michael says, In Gumby we trust. All right, so we got some optimism for Montgomery, and yeah, I don't blame you for that. After the way he looked in his first start of the year, he looked amazing. So I don't blame anybody for having optimism with him. I think it's just the offense that nobody believes in lately, and I'm one of them. I'm very cautious about them. I think they'll hit their stride eventually, but whether they'll do it today or not is a different story. All right, up next is at Helen Boy, and they say they are lifeless right now. Bats look lost up and down the order. Yeah, most of them do. It really has not been a fun time lately, that's for sure. It really has not been. All right, and let's finish up with at MikeCubic6. This will be our last Twitter reply for the day. And Mike says, as long as the pitching doesn't suck and the offense wakes up, then yes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the key, isn't it? <laughs> pitching has to do well and the bats have to hit. That's the key to a win. So, yeah, if they do that, that should be enough to pull it off, you'd hope. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the key. But otherwise... That is all for the Twitter replies today, my friends. I tried to fly through that as much as possible and try to get to as many people as I could, but unfortunately, just like every week, there are plenty of people I was not able to get to, and I apologize for that. And as always, if you want to see the replies for yourself, just head on over to my Twitter page. The handle is at Mike Scudero. That's the handle. Just go there, scroll down, find the tweet with the poll in it, access the comments, and they'll all be down there. But otherwise, before we get to all of our discussion having to do with news and recap from this past week, let's head on over to Instagram and see how people voted and replied on there. And obviously, the same question applies. Do you think that the Yankees will salvage a game in this series and leave the trop on a win here on Sunday? And the voting results were damn near identical to Twitter, very close. But the choice of yes again did win here on Instagram by earning 58% of the vote, and the remaining 42% said no, that they don't think the Yankees will salvage a game. And I believe it was in the favor of yes on Twitter, with 59% of the vote against 41%, and this was 58 to 42, so again, as I said, damn near identical. So, yeah, it's nearly split on both platforms, so let's hear a couple of replies from the usuals. My girlfriend Vic and my mom. Let's hear from Vic first, Vic Salimo, and she says, Eh, the way it's looking, I don't have too much faith in this series. In general, the Yankees don't do well against the Rays at the drop. No, they do not. <laughs> they suck at the drop. And honestly, yeah, you can go based off of that alone. That they're just awful there because they are that bad at Tropicana Field. You're absolutely right. So just based off that, yeah, I don't blame you for just going based off that logic, let alone all the struggles with the Yankee bats and everything else. But I hear you. They really are terrible there. 
All right, let's finish up with my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And my mom says, I want to say yes, believe me. But after what I saw yesterday and Friday, it almost looks as if they're all bored out there instead of getting serious and playing like they want to win. What are they doing? And Herman, after being so good in spring training, hasn't done anything. I'm the most positive person out there when it comes to the Yankees, but after the Blue Jays series last weekend, my nerves fell short on these first two games against the Rays, and with those damn cowbells, I cannot stand them. Who ever thought of that stupidity? I guess the same person who thought up the stadium. Come on, <laughs> come on, Yankees, wake up and get hungry, we're watching. Yeah, I actually said a similar thing a couple of days ago when there was an error on, oh god, who was it? I think it was an error on Meadows in the outfield in yesterday's game, if I'm not mistaken. The ball just hopped too high and went over his head. Actually, it may not have been scored an error, but I remember the ball just, it bounced over him because it hops up so high off the turf, obviously. And I was saying, I even tweeted this on Twitter, that if they were to score that an error on Meadows in left field, then it really ought to not be an error on him. It ought to be an error on the person who drew up the plans for Tropicana Field. <laughs> so I hear that one. But yeah, you're absolutely right, Mom. I mean, between how they've played there and how they've looked for most of the season, the early season, up to this point, other than those two games against Baltimore, it has not been a fun time, particularly watching this offense trying to score runs. But you and a lot of other people have mentioned this too, the way that they've looked the last couple of days, just bored, defeated, flatlined, blank stares. And as I said before, that is an infuriating sight if you're a fan. And you just want something to happen to fire them up, show some passion, so I get it. And I agree with you, and hopefully something great happens today, hopefully they can salvage that game and turn it around. So thank you, Mom, for your reply. Thank you, Vic, for your reply. And again, to all of you on Twitter, and just everybody who voted, replied, no matter which platform it was, thank you so, so much for your interactions. Again, if I missed you, just keep on trying every week, guys, with the social media interaction segment. I will get to you eventually, I promise. But other than that, I'm really glad that we're making good timing today, just over 20 minutes into the episode, because as I said, with news and recapping this week, We've got a lot to talk about in the home stretch of this show. So we're going to start from last Saturday, which is when I last spoke to you the day before Easter. And we're going to talk about news and what happened in each game going day by day up until we're caught up. And there is a lot, as you know, from this past week. So let's get right to it. Let's hop into our old time machine and hop back to last Saturday, just the second game of the season. And I can't wait to talk about everything from this past week because, boy... Do I got a lot to say? <laughs> Alright, let's go back to Saturday. At the end of last week's episode that I recorded on Saturday the 3rd, Kluber had just very nicely escaped a first-inning jam unscathed, if you remember, and with little help from defense behind him, and boy would that continue in his next start on Friday, but with little help from his defense, first-inning included, he got into some jams, and that would continue throughout the four-plus innings of his start, but you know what? He still did a solid job, especially for what was his first respectable start since 2019, since he'd only thrown one inning in 2020. So four plus innings, two runs, only one of them earned. The first run that came home was thanks to a throwing error by Gary, so that wasn't earned. The second run came on a solo shot by Marcus Semyon at the start of the fifth and five strikeouts. And in a start where, as I even said last week, none of us expected him to go deep in, he battled extremely well, and his slider was stunning. 
So, honestly, I really liked what we saw from my boy Kluber that day. It was really an encouraging first start. After him, and just as they were on opening day, and just as they have been up to this point with the exception of Friday, the bullpen was awesome, and they would pitch the next five innings, only allowing an RBI ground out in the seventh, but Luizaga came in after Kluber, did a fantastic job yet again like he did on opening day, and he's still doing fantastic now, as you'll hear later, but he would get the win for the day, two scoreless innings, Litke pitched the seventh, and that's when they scored on the RBI ground out, no big deal. And it was awesome to see Lucas Litke pitch in the regular season for the first time in over a half a decade after having a great spring training. O'Day came in after him and got two outs, didn't allow a run, and then Chad Green would lock down a four-out save. Offensively, well, the vast majority of us in last week's poll segment were predicting the offense would rebound from opening day, and they did. Not massively, but it was a better day. DJ got an RBI single, Gary hit a solo shot, and that was his second in as many days at the time, and it really has been a good start to the season for him so far, so kudos to Gary. Aaron Hicks got an infield RBI single, basically the only thing he did last weekend, and with the exception of the home run on Friday that you'll hear later, pretty much the only thing he's done all season in this early season so far. He's just otherwise looked lost at the plate. And then the birthday boy that day, Jay Bruce, drove in two runs on a single, and the Yankees went on to win 5-3. Sunday, rubber game matchup. Herman took the mound, sort of. And by sort of, I mean, he just didn't have it. He pitched a scoreless first, but then allowed two runs in the second on a solo shot by Vlad Guerrero Jr., and a two-run shot by Yankees murderer Randall Grichuk. And from that point, until he'd be taken out after just three innings of work, he had basically nothing going. Pretty crappy after his damn near perfect spring, but of course, the regular season is what matters. So, just three innings, three runs allowed on four hits total, two strikeouts, not good. And the Yankee offense, again, not good either. Only scored a run thanks to Clint Frazier manufacturing a run on his own, thanks to a bloop hit and some really good hustling turning it into a double, followed by him tagging up to third, and then coming home on a Gardner RBI ground out. So that was entirely thanks to Clint, an example of why it's always important to hustle out of the box. But other than that, nothing again out of the bats. 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position as those struggles continued, Clint and even Jay Bruce a bit put together some nice at-bats, but basically the only ones on offense to show up. But another person that showed up, and he was basically the story of the game that no one, especially myself, expected. I've been critical of him in the past for not having command of his pitches, regardless of how much they move, and rightfully so, but my god, did he have command that day. The guy I speak of is Michael King, who pitched six scoreless innings, from the fourth all the way to the end, against that lineup, the Blue Jays. He got into trouble in the fourth, but he got out of it, and then the last five innings, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, perfect innings, quick, efficient, kept the Yankees in the game all throughout, even when the bats didn't have his back whatsoever, and he saved the bullpen from being blown out that day. He truly did a terrific job, so hats off to him. Always give credit where credit's due. I always believe in that. And it sucked that the bats couldn't back him up. I'm sure he felt all alone out there, but that happens, especially when you're a pitcher for the Yankees and the offense is having their runners in scoring position struggles. That can happen. And as we know, we've seen a lot of that. 
So despite him being the story of the day, the Yanks would go on to lose 3-1 in the rubber game matchup to the Jays. The series ended how it began, offense just not scoring. Even if at plenty of times they got traffic on the bases, they just could not capitalize. And that was the story of the weekend, and the story for a large chunk of the whole week up to this point. And on a positive note to wrap up last weekend, the pitching was fantastic, again, with the exception of Herman, but everyone else, especially the bullpen throughout the whole weekend, and particularly Michael King on Sunday, amazing. And as I said before, the bullpen being amazing, and quite frankly, being the best aspect of this team by far, would remain a constant up to this point. I'm sure you remember that yourself throughout the week, and as I go throughout the week here on the recap segment, you will be reminded of that as I go through the games. Now, on Monday, this would be the start of all the news for the week. This is day one that news started. So, just a couple of things news-wise before we discuss Monday's game. First up, we got an update on Zach Britton and how he's doing after his surgery. And we got more of an in-depth timetable, give or take, on his return, but how's he been? Well, according to the Yanks, as of Monday, he's doing great. And as of this past week, he's actually begun throwing. His surgery incision healed very well, the swelling went down, and apparently he's got full range of motion back in his arm, so everything sounds okay. So that's good. <laughs> so it sounds like now, as of this past week, starts the ramping up process, getting him all ready to go. Now, the day his 60-day IL stint ends is May 31st. So, if he's ready to return by that time, which I imagine he will be, then that's when he'll be eligible to return. And when he will return. So, that's the update on Britain. Everything's going well. And if he's ready to go by the time he's eligible on the 31st, then he will be back. And now, the game. The Orioles came to town after kicking ass in Boston last weekend. And after their weekend series against the Jays, the Yanks on Monday, well, I'll tell you this much before we get into specifics, but their pitching would continue to be awesome, and the offense would resurge, big time. Montgomery got the start, and as I mentioned before, this was his first start, and he would be the one to get the first win for a Yankee starter this season in his first start after throwing an absolute gem. Six shutout innings, seven strikeouts, his changeup and his cutter were just beautiful. <laughs> absolutely beautiful. And he just did an amazing job. It was like a cakewalk for him. After him, the bullpen, which again had been basically untouchable, continued to be untouchable. Sessa pitched the 7th and 8th after Monty was taken out, and he did a great job too. Both innings shut out, three strikeouts, good stuff. And then, for the first time since he served his two-game suspension for the first two games of the year, after the whole Brasseau mess last year, Aroldis Chapman got some work in, and finished the game off in the ninth. He walked a guy, but otherwise, his stuff was great. The slider was moving a ton, he was throwing really hard as he typically does when he's right, scoreless inning, and his three outs were all strikeouts. And the offense, as I said before, resurgent, which was awesome to see. Judge kicked off the scoring with a solo shot the other way into the short porch, the first of the many home runs I'm anticipating out of him this year, as you guys know, much to the complaining of others because of the short porch again, as if the opposition doesn't have the exact same opportunity to hit it there. Those complaints are just exhausting, but anyway, then Hicks, with the bases loaded, would have a great at-bat after looking completely lost the entire weekend against the Jays, drawing a walk and driving in a run, and then 
the big mammoth 471 foot grand slam by John Carlos Stanton. And I swear, right on contact, my eyes just opened wide and my jaw dropped. What a shot. <laughs> just wow. Like I've been saying forever now, just please have Judge and Stanton stay healthy. Please. Because if they do, this is just the beginning of the fun we're going to have this season, hopefully. <laughs> then after that, DJ would get an RBI single later, and the Yanks would trot to an easy victory in the first of three against the O's, winning 7 to nothing. Tuesday. Now for the odd trade that I mentioned in the introduction that happened out of nowhere, but there was a weird trade announcement that I still don't really understand why the Yankees did it, and it seemed like no one else did either, but it was announced that the Yankees traded with the Rangers to acquire second baseman Rugned Odor. Now, the guy's made a name for himself over the years, particularly for punching the daylights out of Jose Bautista years ago, and because he does have some pop in his bat, he'll hit home runs every now and again these days, I suppose. And the main good thing about this, basically the only good thing I could think of, and definitely the highlight of it, is that the Rangers are eating all of the $27 million still owed to him on his contract. And the little that the Yanks are paying for him does not go towards the luxury tax threshold. So, for the Yankees, that's great for them financially. They got him virtually for free. So, a low payment move, pretty typical of the Yanks the last few years as we know. Low risk move. But, number one... The Yanks are also sending two prospects over, Antonio Cabello and Josh Stowers, not top level, obviously, but nevertheless, prospects. And two, they already have so much infield depth. Odor plays second base only, so I guess he'd be depth for DJ? This is definitely a depth move, no doubt. But he was DFA'd by the god-awful Rangers at the end of spring training. He couldn't even make that roster. But again, from the Yankees' standpoint... Not sure how much sense this makes with the infield and depth. DJ plays second, of course, and clearly he's almost always going to play as a starter there, duh. And as far as depth they already have, as much as I can't stand Tyler Wade, you have him, and putting Wade at short allows you to put Glaber at second, maybe? Glaber can play second, too, obviously, we know that. And just in a scenario like that, though, not to start games, obviously, this is just for scenario sake, I'm just spitballing, but unless you have to, I mean... Maybe in like a late-game pinch-hitting situation or a defensive substitution instance? Something along those lines? But I'd prefer Wade not be out there very often at all, so... <laughs> or forget all that, you could just straight-up put Wade at second if need be, too. And I know, I don't like Wade, so I can't have my cake and eat it, too. I'm just saying. And we also know that Tyler Wade at this point has since been optioned to the alternate site. But I'm just saying, that's what they could do since they love Wade so much, and if he is to be reactivated on the main roster, which I assume at some point he will be. But I'm just saying, whenever he is on the active roster, you got Wade. You've also got Derek Dietrich at the alternate site, and I think he's a better depth option than Odor, especially with versatility defensively, if nothing else, with the kind of hitters they both are right now. Again, Odor has only ever played second base in the majors. And Boone did highlight that he played third in the spring, so I guess he'd be depth for third too, for when he doesn't play second. But only ever playing somewhere else besides second base in this past spring training? <sighs> so I know it's, I know, I know it's just depth, but I just don't much get it. 
And quite frankly, overall, the last few years or so, Odor's been really bad. He was great when he was younger, like age 21 and 22. He was on his way to stardom. But he's been bad since the Rangers signed him long-term. 30 home runs in 2019, yeah. But again, the guy's got pop in his bat. I already told you that. So that's no surprise, really. If you're a fan of batting average, which I know isn't as popular anymore, but if you are a fan of it, or on base percentage, or OPS too, basically, this is not your guy at all. The Rangers couldn't get rid of him fast enough, seemingly. And again, he couldn't make it to their terrible roster this spring. And honestly, and I'm just telling you the way it's been for years now, this is true. The guy can't field well, he can't hit well overall, and I know this is a frequent thing with the Yanks too, but they certainly don't need another guy like this. But if he's not hitting occasional home runs like I mentioned earlier, he's also striking out all the time. That's mainly just what he's done the last few years. So again, honestly, even from a depth standpoint, despite it being good that the Rangers are at least eating the money, and that is a good thing because he's costing nothing, but otherwise, outside of that, I don't really understand this. Again, it definitely shows just how badly the Rangers wanted to dump him, so <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but we'll see where this goes, if anywhere. But again, one thing's for sure, this wouldn't be nearly the first time the Yankees pull the trigger on a financially friendly, low-scale sort of move in these last few years. And as we also know, some of those past moves have turned out to be extremely successful. One that immediately comes to mind for all of us is Gio Urshela, just to name one of a few. And maybe this could turn out that way too. Maybe he could use the change of scenery and turn things around. That is always possible, and it could always happen here. I'm not doubting that it could work out nicely. I'm just saying I didn't really understand it from their standpoint when it happened, as far as needs are concerned, and with the way his career has been these last few years. But for some guys, a change of scenery could be big, and maybe this could be it for Odor. And obviously now that he's here, I really want him to succeed, so let's hope for the best. But right now, still my feelings going into today's game, as far as the trade itself, it was extremely random, took everyone by surprise, very out of the blue, and I still just don't really understand it. But again, time will tell. I don't want to shoot it down right away immediately, even though I just don't understand it really. Because again, like a Gio Urshela, who knows, it could work out very nicely. But we'll see. And then of course, they had to make room for Odor on the 40-man roster too. So, a corresponding roster move came alongside this trade news later in the day. And that was that the Yanks DFA'd Thyro Estrada for not being a left-handed hitter, I guess. So, if you were wondering earlier why I didn't mention Thyro as a depth option, well, this is why. No clue what other reason they have for DFAing him for Odor other than not being a lefty batter. Odor obviously has more experience in the majors and has in the past experienced success, as I said but I'm talking about right now. And same thing for Thyro with Wade, too, other than speed, maybe, because Thyro can hit, Wade cannot, and Wade's defense, again, is not elite. It's decent. Like I said last week, argue with a brick if you disagree with that. So, anyway, that's the deal with all of that. <laughs> but also on Tuesday, I know, lots of news. We'll get to the game in a second, I promise. I warned you. <laughs> But the Yanks also optioned Michael King to the alternate site. And remember what I've been saying for some time, that this is going to be like last year with the constant roster moves. 
certain guys going to and from the alternate site constantly. So this is just another one of those temporary moves for roster needs and to ensure that Michael King still gets the work that he needs whenever he is at the alternate site, and I'm certain we'll be seeing King back soon enough. All right, let's discuss the game quickly. (laughs) So the second of three against the O's, and this one would also be a very nice win like Monday. Garrett Cole pitched his second game of the season, and, well, to put it mildly, he was vintage Garrett Cole. Seven shutout innings, struck out 13 Orioles, and he was just beyond dominant. Everything was working. Change-up, which he's been using much more often. The breaking pitches, his fastball was gas. One of his strikeouts was on Santander looking at 101 miles per hour. (laughs) Crazy. Granted, it was against the O's, but... Still, anyone can go out there and bomb against anybody at any time as we know, but Cole did not. He threw a gem. Chad Green pitched a shutout eighth after him, and Lucas Litke pitched the ninth, and the poor guy gave up a two-run shot after the reviewers blew a call at first base that should have been a game-ending ground out, but the call was safe, and even though he was obviously out, they even upheld the call at the replay studio because everybody's blind. So, unfortunately, what should have been a shutout inning for Litke turned into a two-run inning, but what can you do? At the time, the bullpen had only given up three runs in over 20 innings of work, and the three came from him, those two, because of the bad call at the replay studio. So, the first run he gave up was on an RBI groundout last weekend against the Jays, And as I mentioned, the two on Tuesday should not have even happened. So just a testament to how terrific the bullpen had been and still is. Offensively, the Yankees blew a bases loaded no one out opportunity in the first, but after that, they wouldn't blow many more chances to say the least. Jay Bruce kicked off the scoring with his first Yankee homer, a solo shot, and this was really the last good thing he did up to this point. DJ grounded into a double play and drove in a run. Stanton absolutely roped an RBI double. And Aaron Judge had an RBI single and a three-run bomb into the left field bleachers that I actually called on Twitter. That's right, I did call it. He was facing LeBlanc, a lefty who doesn't throw hard at all. And I tweeted, I'd like for Judge to murder one off LeBlanc. Go back and look if you don't believe me. And he did. (laughs) What can I say? The force is strong with me. And then after that would be when Licky gave up those two runs I mentioned earlier in the ninth before the Yanks would end up winning 7-2. Wednesday. (laughs) Oh god, this game. Final game of the three-game set. Yanks went for the sweep, but without Aaron Judge, who was noticed to be out of the lineup. Much to my unhappiness at first, considering they had an off day on Thursday, and I've never been a believer in resting someone for two days in a row, especially when they're heating up like Judge had in the first two games against the O's. But it was then announced that it wasn't just a regular day off, and that he was experiencing soreness in his side. (laughs) And I'll tell you this much. This is when I'm glad that I do one show a week. Because days ago, I was starting to worry about kissing my 140 games plus Judge prediction goodbye. And the Yankee fan base... Kind of tough to blame a lot of them, considering what Judge's injury history has been like for years now, but lots of people were in a full-on meltdown. But obviously, as you'll hear later, for yesterday's game, Judge has since returned. So let's hope that was it. Just that three days long, but two games long rest, and my prediction can remain intact. 
and that I'll also never have to hear Aaron Boone utter the words wear and tear of the season when they'd only played five games. But anyway, Wednesday's game, (laughs) and it was wild. Especially after Geo's game-tying RBI double in the eighth, but before that, it was annoying. And so was extra innings with the worst rule in sports history, but we'll get to all of that in a minute. (laughs) Now, as I mentioned last week, when I mentioned this game was coming up, this was Jameson Tyone's Yankees debut. And the first time he took the mound in nearly two years. Last start before this was on May 1st, 2019. And we've been over what this kid's been through. Two Tommy Johns, testicular cancer, took a lot to get back here. He's a good kid. He's a young guy who's been through an awful lot. And he's just a guy you're naturally compelled to root for. And I'm really rooting for him. And I gotta tell you, I really liked what I saw on Wednesday night. Four and two-thirds innings, three hits, Two of them were just on solo shots in the fourth inning. No walks, seven strikeouts, retired the first nine batters in a row. So, despite those two solo shots, just a couple of mistakes, it happens. After nearly two whole years since his last Major League start, you gotta be happy with that performance. You really have to. So I was so happy for Jamison Tyone, and so was everybody else. It was great to see. He was smiling, he was obviously giddy, he was talking to Garrett Cole in the dugout afterwards, and he was all smiles. I love seeing that. And the bullpen also did great. Nelson came in after Tyone and pitched the next inning and a third. All four of his outs were strikeouts. Then O'Day pitched an inning shutout. Lewisica an inning shutout. Chapman pitched a shutout ninth after the game was tied. And offense-wise, before we get into the extra inning Little League foolery... Aaron Hicks's RBI single was the only run the Yankees had after getting nine hits before Geo had his huge eighth-inning game-tying double. So they did have a bad night offensively again until Geo's hit. Traffic on the bases, not getting him home. But they did tie it ultimately on Geo's double. Despite Gary's lack of hustle out of the box, making what could have been a double could have been making it a single. And there was also that play where they almost got him at second, advancing from first to second on a hit. They almost got him. And that is inexcusable too. But about the hit, that could have been a double. Despite whether or not it could have been a double, you always bust it out of the box. No excuses. Hustle. Luckily, Talkman did when he came around to score on the Geo double. And look at Clint on Sunday, manufacturing his own run from hustling, stretching that blue pit into a double. And then, <laughs> extra innings. Chad Green pitched the 10th and should have actually been able to escape the runner on second rule scoreless, but on a routine ground ball. Glaber Torres, again, making me look like an absolute moron completely botches a routine ground ball, allowing a run to score. Unearned all around, not only because of Glaber's horrible error, but also because that runner was the one put on second to start the inning, automatically unearned if they come home. But anyway, my guy, Glaber Torres. Yes, a more experienced first baseman probably makes the scoop. But it doesn't change the fact that that was probably as routine as it gets for a major league shortstop. You've got to make that throw. You have to. Period. Embarrassing. 
making me and everyone else who believed in his ability to improve defensively look like a bunch of dopes. Which leads me to my next point, that if you have a problem with me giving necessary, constructive criticism to a deeply struggling Glaber Torres here early on, after how supportive and optimistic I've been about him improving defensively for months now, do me a favor and get the hell lost. Because while I love optimism and often side with it, I'm also realistic. And I give fair and constructive criticism when it's warranted. And it's warranted now. No one's saying he can't turn it around going forward. But with how he's been so far, heading into today's game here on Sunday, it's warranted. But yeah, after how supportive I've been, if you want to give me crap for telling the truth, do me a favor and save it. Anyway, bottom of the 10th. Just have to get that out of my system. But the Yanks retied it on an RBI single by Higashioka. So they retied it on that hit. And Higgy had come in for Gary late in the game, so awesome job by Higgy there. Top of the 11th, O's retook the lead on a bloop single. Nice job by Sessa after to limit the damage. No earned runs in the 11th either because, again, the runner that scored was the one placed on second. And then in the bottom of the 11th, with Gio on third, DJ hit a ball in the air, but not deep enough for a sack fly. Gio was gunned down at home by a long shot sliding headfirst into Pedro Severino's glove at home. Game over. Beyond infuriating. All in all, very encouraging first start for Tyone. Bullpen was solid again. Big hit by Gio in the 8th. But otherwise, again, trouble scoring throughout despite getting traffic on the bases. 13 hits with only 3 runs to show for it total is just bad. And obviously, all of that lack of scoring with runners in scoring position before extra innings also led to us having to see our favorite rule change again, which is obviously annoying in its own right, regardless of whether or not the Yankees win the game as a result of it. It sucks. And Glaber continued his inept play at short, and it just ended in frustrating fashion. It really did. I was pissed afterwards. I was so invested, especially after Geo's hit in the eighth. Whatever. Should have been a sweep, but shoulda, woulda, coulda, though, right? Alright, anyway, Thursday they were off. Friday, more news. (laughs) This didn't come as a surprise, though, because we knew this was coming, but the Yanks officially activated Justin Wilson off the 10-day IL. And because they had optioned King to the alternate site a couple of days prior and were carrying 25 guys instead of 26, they didn't even have to make a corresponding roster move after this. So, welcome back, Justin. Everyone's heard how I'm expecting big things out of him and O'Day this year, and we've already seen great things out of O'Day, and now it's Wilson's turn to join in. So the only one missing from the pen at this point, after missing him, Britton, and Chapman in the first two games because of Chapman's suspension, is Britton. So with Wilson's reactivation, the bullpen gets even more reinforcements. And also, no judge in the lineup on Friday. Not surprised at all considering how ambiguous the Yankees were being about all of it, as usual. And also, after they put out their original lineup, they then posted an updated one that had Geo out of it. He was in the original one, but he was taken out because he was apparently feeling effects from the COVID vaccine. And lots of people throughout the organization, players included, have gotten it. They've gotten the Johnson & Johnson shot. 
So they moved him to the COVID IL list, and the COVID IL list actually doesn't have a minimum amount of days to be on like the injured list does, so a player can actually be reinstated the next day if he's ready. And as you'll hear, for yesterday's game, that's exactly what happened. And for that, they then had to make a corresponding roster move, and that was recalling Mike Ford from the alternate site to help out the infield if needed. And then after the game ended, he was optioned right back down. <laughs> uh, now, notice a lot of sighing going on today. <laughs> so much news. But the game on Friday, weird 3 o'clock start time. Ray's home opener, the House of Horrors, the worst stadium ever drawn up, the Trop. <laughs> and some things never change. And the Yankees never playing well there stayed consistent. And through the first two games of this series, they're going through one of those spells where they just forget how to play baseball. Now, this game on Friday started out as extremely irritating, got great for about eight seconds, and then went right back to being extremely irritating. <laughs> now that I think about it, is that not really a metaphor for this past week's gameplay up to this point? Good lord. <laughs> anyway, Kluber started the game, and for him individually, I gotta say, I feel really bad for him. His defense completely let him down. Sure, there were some pitches he left over the plate, and his command wasn't the best, but honestly, I still really liked how his stuff moved. The cutter was moving a lot, the slider was really sharp again, and right now as he's ramping up, having good movement on his pitches is important. But his defense let him down. Utterly let him down. They set the tone early and quickly. The DJ throwing error down at third. Understandable because he's not great at third, we know this, but Gio was out, so... Then you had Tyler Wade, the elite defender, miss a ball in the hole. And, although it was a tough catch for Glaber, it still could have been caught, but he dropped the ball in foul territory, and on and on we go. And after Kluber had a solid first inning, those are what made the start begin to get ugly. So the infield defense, just awful. Extending at-bats, missing outs, that stuff can suck the air out of what could have been a good start. And it did just that for Kluber. So, two and a third, five runs, three of them earned, the other two that were earned were given up by Nelson, who had to finish the third inning for Kluber, and those two on base were Kluber's responsibility. And those two runs drove his ERA up real nice, so the defense really did let Kluber down. They really, really did. And again, they set the tone early on. Uh, Nelson came in after to finish the third, as I said before. He allowed those two runners left by Kluber to score. He would stay in to pitch the fourth two and just combust it into flames. First time we're seeing an ugly game by anybody in the bullpen. It was bound to happen at some point, so not going to get on him or anybody in the bullpen because they have been lights out otherwise. But he really just did not have his good stuff. After giving the lead back when he finished Kluber's inning, he then allowed four runs in the fourth inning. The Yanks were down 9-4 to four at that point. After Nelson, Litke pitched the next three innings, only giving up a solo shot, but otherwise looking fine. And then Sessa pitched a shutout eighth. Offensively, this was the eight seconds of excitement I mentioned earlier that took place in the third inning, but Stanton got a two-run single, which tied the game at two at the time. And then right after that, Hicks hit a two-run bomb from the right side of the plate to give the Yanks a 4-2 lead. We all know how it went downhill after that. But then when it was 10-4, DJ hit a solo shot, first homer of the year for him. Guess you can say it was in 
baseball garbage time down by six runs in the eighth. <laughs> so there you have it. Rays won the series opener 10 to 5. And finally, <laughs> yesterday, Geo and Judge back in the lineup. So Geo reinstated and Judge returns. And more roster updates to go with those. Rugnet Odor was reinstated from the COVID list as well. He was doing the COVID intake from when he got traded. And as I had mentioned briefly earlier, Tyler Wade optioned to the alternate site. Listen, I don't hate any Yankees player. I don't believe in hating players on the teams I root for. But I'd hope that by now, you know how I feel about the guy. I just think that other than speed, he really doesn't bring all that much to the table at all. He can't hit to save his life. He's an okay defender. Never felt he was an elite one. And he's extremely fast. That's his main and really only attribute. And a stylish slider into bases, especially when coming home. I'll give him that. But otherwise, no. Now, the Yankees are in need of a backup shortstop, which was the main thing that I thought when he was optioned, because obviously, as we know, a huge reason Wade was with the club to begin with was because he was the backup shortstop. But I guess they're willing to have Geo be the backup shortstop now? If Glaber gets a day off or gets injured? That seems to be the plan. And then Odor would play third? As I mentioned before, he played a lot of third in spring training, but never really at any other time. So not 100% sure how I feel about that, but we'll see, I guess. And Wade can and definitely will come back, as we know. But for now, he'll be at the alternate site. But that's the news, guys. Geo and Judge back as of yesterday. Odor is here and Wade to the alternate site. Wade is going to be with the taxi squad, though, alongside guys like King and Albert Abreu, at least until Albert Abreu was brought up from the alternate site before today's game, which I'll also mention that in a bit, but I almost forgot to mention that, so he'll be traveling with the team on the road, too, with the rest of the guys in the taxi squad, but yes, Wade has been optioned. And the game. Again, terrible. Starting with Herman, his second start in a row that he just had nothing. Untouchable in spring training, but when it counts, no good. The exact opposite of what he can afford to do, given how little patience we all had with him in the first place, because of his off-field past, obviously. Four innings, four runs, all earned on eight hits, walked one, and struck out five. Just really struggled yet again. And right after the game, by the way, option to the alternate site. <laughs> So, now for the time being, he is no longer on the roster. What do you know? Being a crappy person off the field and being crappy at your job isn't conducive to staying on the big league roster. Who the hell would have guessed? I mean, I'm sure he's going to be back shortly when he can be recalled, and when the Yankees need another starter. I don't think they're giving up on him already. Even Boone said as much this morning. But my point is, he better get it straight. And fast. Even if this optioning doesn't have to do with his struggles, that's me saying that. Just better get it together. But anyway, the bullpen, though, bounced right back to where it was before Friday's game. Lights out. And served as the only positive about yesterday's dead game. Justin Wilson, in his return, pitched a shutout fifth. Loisica continued to look absolutely amazing again. Two shutout innings in the sixth and seventh. And then Sessa had a shutout eighth. The offense? A collective corpse. No runs completely flat. Everybody on this team looked flat, other than basically Brett Gardner, who had one of the just five hits on the day and made a beautiful play in deep left center. And quite frankly, 
after the awful performance put forth on Friday, to come out like this yesterday against such a rival too, just embarrassing. It's early, I know, I know. I'm certainly not saying the season is over, or that they won't make the playoffs, or saying what'll even happen come the playoffs, nothing like that. But it doesn't mean you can't discuss issues you're seeing. And they were just flatlined in yesterday's 4-0 loss. In the first eight games of this season so far, prior to today's game here on Sunday, which is starting in just a little while, this offense, for the most part, which is supposed to be the team's strength, has been so aggravating to watch. Mainly because of the continued runners in scoring position struggles, which, as I said last week, are going to happen. But when it does happen, and as frequently as it has, it's infuriating. They'll hit their stride. I'm still confident in that. And perhaps that starts today. We'll see after I head off to watch when I'm done recording here. But it's been frustrating for the most part so far. As I said last week, the Yanks basically never start off well. It's usually slow at the start. But for today, all I ask is just avoid the sweep, salvage a game, and get the hell out of this dump. Whatever it takes to do that, do it. Montgomery is starting today. He looked incredible in his first start, and hopefully he can play stopper here and give some length, as I said earlier. Maybe the bats can help him and show some signs of a pulse for the love of God. Just putting that out there. But as far as what's ahead, including for today, actually just something not having to do with the game first real quick, but Clark Schmidt, want to get this out there, but Clark, been a bit since we heard anything about him, but around this time originally, he was supposed to be getting ready to return, if not being back already. But he hasn't even started throwing yet. He's still feeling elbow discomfort. And that's not good at all. <laughs> they said originally that it's a common flexor tendon and not his UCL. You remember me talking about that. So he doesn't need Tommy John, and I hope that's still the case, because it's alarming to me that he hasn't even started throwing yet. And it's nearly mid-April, and he's still feeling discomfort after, what, five-ish weeks now? Give or take five? Yeah, but now, it just came out this morning from the Yankees that he's getting a second opinion, so we'll see what happens with him. This kid's had a hell of an injury history at his young age, as we've discussed, so let's hope for the best. Now, just a couple of quick things having to do with the game today, and again, you already know this since this episode's coming out tonight and the game will have been long over by then, but Rugnet Odor is in the lineup, making his beardless Yankee debut, <laughs> batting sixth and at second base. DJ's at first, Bruce is not, and he's not in the lineup either. He's got the day off. Kind of happy about that. As I said before, he really hasn't done much of anything at all since that home run against the Orioles. And the Yanks, as I also briefly mentioned earlier, also recalled Albert Abreu from the alternate site. So he's joining the 26th man, I assume, in Herman's place to help the bullpen out until King can be recalled after his 10 days are up. Like I've been saying, this season, like last season, is going to be loaded with roster moves, so this is just the norm right now. But today's game is just getting underway in about 10 minutes from now at the time I'm recording. It's just before 1 o'clock right now. The Yanks are looking to at least get one win and get the hell out of this series, as I've been saying. Monty against Brent Honeywell Jr. making his Major League debut, and we know how the Yanks do against pitchers they've never seen before. Not saying it's definitely what'll happen today, but usually, they suck against guys they've never seen before. And I think he's gonna be in an opener role today, this Honeywell Jr. kid. 
But even if he is, we'll see if the Yanks can get something going off him offensively today. Anything. And, oh wow, this just came out. How many times the last few weeks has something come out in the middle of me recording? (laughs) But this just came out. There's a report that the Yanks just traded Thyro Estrada to the Giants for cash considerations. Hmm. Just mentioned before, if you remember, that he was DFA'd for the Odor trade, and now he's been traded. Well, he had a rough go at it last year when he played, but so did some of the best. I still really liked him as a depth option, but as I said earlier from my reasoning for them not using him as a depth option, I guess this trade is just because he's not a left-handed hitter. (laughs) Seemed to really do him in. Sad. But best of luck to Thyro. I hope he finds consistent playing time with the Giants, and I assumed his time here was done after he was DFA'd, but it's official now that it is done. Alright, let's finish up. What is ahead for the rest of the week, you might ask? Tomorrow, they're sticking around in Florida as they start a three-game road series against the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays, as we know, are playing in Florida for now, and then are going to be playing in Buffalo again like last year since... Canada's COVID restrictions still won't allow them to play at the Rogers Center. So tomorrow's and Tuesday's game will both be at 7.07 p.m. Eastern. Cole goes tomorrow and Tyone on Tuesday. Wednesday will be at 1.07 p.m. Eastern. Corey Kluber will get that start. The rotation's being changed around a bit again because of the days off, like I said last week. They got a day off on Thursday and a day off next Monday. So that's why the rotation's being messed with again. Thursday's an off day, as I just said. Friday. Got the Rays again, but this time at Yankee Stadium, thank God. Three-game weekend series through to when we talk again next Sunday, the 18th. Friday's game will be at 7.05 p.m. Eastern, Saturday at 1.05 Eastern, and Sunday will also be at 1.05. (sighs) What a week, guys. Between some awful infield defense, terrible runners in scoring position struggles, you gotta hope that for the next week... The Yankees can turn that around, hopefully starting today. Just please score some runs. (laughs) Just score some runs. But as for now, my good people, that is all for episode 91 of Yapping Yankees today. Let's give one last shout out to Ball9, of course, and Grunt Talks MLB. Ball9 brings you some of the best baseball content out there. Any and all baseball stories, articles, roundtable discussions, featured baseball podcasts like Yapping Yankees, and much more. Visit the website. I promise you, you'll be glad that you did. That's Ball9.com, and follow them on all social medias at Ball9, and know what you don't know. And for them still helping to get the word out about the show on social media, also be sure to check out Grunt Talks MLB. Go to their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their great baseball content and follow them on all social medias at grunttalksmlb. Follow me on all social medias as well, guys, so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me, the Yankees, and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram social media segments every Saturday. Follow my Facebook fan page at MikeScaderoNY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at MikeScuds97. And also, guys, please do not forget to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on. 
YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And while you're at it, why not listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you've missed? I mean, really, why not? You should. Episodes 34 up to episode 91 today are available on YouTube. And all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, April 18th, when I come at you with episode 92 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, guys, you know the deal. Hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and Yankees, score some runs! (laughs) Enjoy your week, my friends, and take care. (laughs) 